Hi, welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fall, the editor of the Toolkit. When we talk about how good movies and television shows get made, one area that often gets left out of the discussion is the important role locations play in bringing a filmmaker's vision to life. In addition to being creatively vital to the success of a production, the job of the location manager is also incredibly complicated and requires as many producing skills as it does creative. My guest today is Shane Hayden, who has been working in New York City in locations for 15 years. In addition to working on indies and some of our favorite television shows, he's also worked on huge movies like The Avengers. And most recently, he worked on HBO's The Night Of, uh, which is just which was the surprise hit of the summer and a really amazing show about what happens to someone when they go through the criminal justice system. I can't think of a show that has a better use of locations, both in capturing a unique, unique portrait of the city, but also our institutions. And so I really look forward to talking to Shane about his role in bringing uh, creator Steven Zalian's uh, vision to life, but also to learn a little bit about what he does as a location manager. So Shane, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, Chris. So. Right from kind of the opening titles in this show with Night Of, it has such a, a strong sense of place and it has a very clear vision of, of what it needs from, you know, the criminal justice. This is, is going to be a realistic portrayal of the criminal justice system and also has such a strong sense of what New York is. So I'm wondering, what is, when you first come on, you were on the pilot on this, mm-hmm. um, so what, what is that initial starting point when you when you come on, it? sure, sure. So I mean, obviously, everything starts with the script. So you have to have something to work from and off of. Um, you know, Zellian and Richard Price had put together this this kind of great screenplay. Although you know, I had only we only got the pilot when we were initially starting the project. But everything's going to start with that. So you have a starting off point to really talk about locations, it's scripted, what do you need? And then when I sit down with like the director, the producer, the production manager, I'm less the production manager, more the designer. Production Um, designer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The production designer who really is ultimately in charge of shaping the look and really signing off on the locations and everything else. But he is the person that I work closest with to try and come up with the right look. And we bounce ideas back and forth off of each other to figure it out. So in a situation like this, you know, we had the pilot initially. We had a really strong team of people. Um, you know, I was one of the few people in the scout fan that I was actually the only one in the scout fan, I think, without the Academy Award. <laughs> um, so it was a, it was a little intimidating at first to work with such, you know. It's not your such, fault though. There's no there's no Academy for locations. <laughs> there, there is no Academy for locations. That's very true. Um, but it was it, it was fantastic to work. You know, I was in awe to work with that kind of caliber of people, but. Zalian was the one that initially, you know, we sit down and you start talking about what it should look like. The, the main character is Pakistani and lives in Jackson Heights, which is one of the elements of this film that you have to capture. And you've been working in New York for 15 years. I have to assume that there's this element of there's never, there's always some element of New York that you have to discover, right? There's right, like, totally, it, totally. And this job was definitely one for... For discovery. Because in this case, Jackson Heights is plays the locations play a major role in kind of establishing this main character's kind of his Pakistani family and his roots, mm-hmm. right? Correct. So what was that? Is that you, you know, I mean, initially, like, and I'd been to Jackson Heights before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been to, like, their main street there. The 74th Street is kind of the main commercial district. But mm-hmm. once you, like, start walking around it and you get this vibe, and, of course, it's, it was in the script as well. Like, it was very specific to saying we want to be in this area. Um, now, with a project like this, you also 
uh, as it developed, you have to be mindful of like how are people getting portrayed and what is, you know, how are we navigating the, you know, the community in general because people are going to look at us with skepticism being that we've got cameras and we're portraying, you know, people as they are and trying to play, portray them as close to how they are. So there was, there was a bit of like finding the right people in the community to, to kind of help us and, and get into places. I mean, obviously I had scouts out there, um, but we then, you know, spoke to some of the community leaders and had them help kind of get, get us into places. And that was really important, especially in the initial phase, the initial stages of, research when we were going into like the local mosque and we were going into um, you know the stores and we were able to like really kind of watch people because it is it's a little uh, you know I think there's a level of, of um, skepticism of wonderment of why are you know you've got 70 people coming in here and checking it out and it's not a daily occurrence over in Jackson Heights. They've been exposed to filming before, but it's not like, hmm, what is, you know, what are you guys doing? And you'd be like, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a totally good portrayal of Pakistani. <laughs> so, I mean, he's accused of murder, but, yeah. you know. Anyway, we can't talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to tell you the whole story of, of, of everything. But we also looked, you know, and we, as much that takes place there, we also had to find the right house that we felt was appropriate. Well, that's the so thing, though. Some of it... Because he's doing a lot of research. I'm sure, I'm sure Zalian has done a lot of research in terms of this character mm -hmm. and his background. But as I imagine you and the production designer are kind of the touchstone in terms of like making the look of that feel. And mm -hmm. so even something like the family's house, mm -hmm. is that something where oh, your... Yeah. Yeah. Family's house was definitely like a big... Piece to, to, to find. I mean, we looked, and it's a very, the house that we ended up choosing is actually in Richmond Hill. And it was, it's, it's a very small, tight, kind of non, not the film friendliest of house, just in terms of space and uh, position and camera movement and where you could put things. So it was, and we chose it in a pilot, and then of course we kind of ended up using it for the whole show because it was chosen for the pilot. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that, that lived there were great. But we, you know, it, we looked at 50 homes, either through pictures or actually visited, you know, maybe 20 that we were trying to find the right layout or the right look. And so just because you're in Jackson Heights, you know, there's the people that are answering the flyers maybe that we put out uh, on the street to homes that we think are interesting. There's gentrification happening there. They might not be the same people. That The decoration might be different. So we did have to obviously augment what was in the house, it was a West Indian house that we used, so you know we had to augment it with more appropriate stuff to the to the character, um, to to Nas and his family. But even just being able to go and look at some of the homes in and around Jackson Heights helped to like establish what really it is, and and speaking to people and you know doing that research that that went a long way. You know, went a really long way. And one thing it's worth noting with this show is, is I mean, I think most people know the Gandolfini story. James Gandolfini was was cast in the in the the lead role and and passed away after the pilot. So they shot the pilot with Gandolfini, and this this particular project had a long road mm -hmm. from pilot oh, yeah, to, to definitely, series, definitely. right? So I mean, what are we talking like three years? I mean, it was yeah. I think we started in it was like 2012. I think during that to fall of 2012 is when we did the pilot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then we finished in 2015, I guess. So uh, are you like, so we're, I mean, it, we're back? <laughs> do you remember us? It, 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 really, it really felt that way, yes, yeah. because we shot all these locations in the pilot, and obviously, you know, Gandolfini, 
when he was tied to the project as well, it was really exciting and it was great and it was, you know, just going to be this really cool thing because he was going to come back from the Sopranos world and then he had his, his next vehicle for, mm-hmm. um, f- for a different type of role. And, um, and then, obviously, we shot the pilot and Gambolfini's only in the... He, his, Role in the pilot, he was only in the last season, the like very last scene, right, which ended up, Nas, yeah. which which gets you know replaced by John, um, when we, right. you know, you we, but but the nice thing was is we didn't have to go back and reshoot the entire pilot. Right. It wasn't like he was in all these scenes, so we just to be clear, just to be clear for people that haven't seen the show, uh, the Turturro character, who's who's the main character's lawyer. The the main the pilot is about Nas and this night of and the night of this murder. And um, you only meet the lawyer at the end. So you, when you shot the pilot, you really right. only shot like a, really few, a few shots with Gandolfini, exactly. and who was then going to have a big role throughout. And exactly. And, and so you didn't. All you had to do was reshoot some of those scenes with Totoro. Exactly. Okay, exactly. Right. But in terms of the like longevity that you were talking about of the project, we shot the pilot. Mm-hmm. Then we were waiting to you know, and then um, sadly after Gandolfini passed away, the project was kind of like we had no idea what was going to happen with it. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, I was hoping it was going to go forward, but there was never really a strong indication. We'd check in every couple of months. Is there any new news? Yeah. Then we kind of, like, pay attention to the, you know, to, <laughs> to, really- to the trades and find out, oh, well, now De Niro's been rumored to be attached to it, and then that changed. And so by the time we actually got back into production, you know, it had been a good probably year, year and a half, I think, before we started, before we actually started on... Uh, the whole series. And because, correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes with a pilot, like, you might use a house, like, a real location, Mm -hmm. and then if the show gets picked up, this might not be the best example because it's only eight Mm -hmm. episodes, but Mm -hmm. if this had been, like, a a Mm -hmm. larger show with a larger show in the sense of a a bigger arc, more episodes, you... You guys might choose to build Correct. a set of of, of Nas's family's home, yes. right? Yes, that would normally be kind of the thing. If you had a particularly difficult location, mm-hmm. um, there are times that yes, I think you would make the, the most of the time you would make the choice to do that. Okay. Um, on this, we didn't. There are things that I thought you know that that were that were challenging to say the least mm-hmm. um, as we got further down, just in terms of like build like like John's apart, Totoro's apartment, right. uh, Stone's apartment. You know, places that we had to go back to many times, um, and it's obviously the presence of the film crew and everything gets wearing in a neighborhood or in a particular building. So you have to really try and you know not not overstep your welcome, and then once you've done that, try and really just be mindful of people that are really living there. And it's not just a, it's not just a, a set or a location; it's actually people's homes or their you know. Yeah, part yeah. of their day-to-day work, you know, yeah. it, it definitely. Well, well, and speaking of that, because I, I'm, the pilot, uh, most of it is that night, Nas is a Jackson Heights boy who gets lost in Manhattan, and you start off downtown, and you start mm-hmm. going up, you end up on the river, and then you end up at um, the the house on the West, house. A, a, mm-hmm. West 87th Street. Yeah. And that's all night. Now, what does that, for shooting on location in New York City, what's involved with night locations from a location manager standpoint? Yeah. Nights, nights, nights get tough. You know, the overnight shooting, is especially, especially in residential neighborhoods, becomes really difficult. So, like that main that house where the where the woman dies on 87th Street, that's like a that's a brownstone kind of right, exactly. Block. And we we ended up, you know, we had, we had scouted. Uh, we scouted a few houses on the Upper West Side, and we ended up choosing a house over 
in Brooklyn um, in Prospect Heights area. So the actual house wasn't on 87th Street, but we had the same issues of overnight shooting because we ended up shooting for eight nights in a residential neighborhood. What do you do for shooting in a residential neighborhood? What do you have to do? Well, the mayor's office, you know, we sat down with the mayor's office and kind of had a discussion when we were planning because I knew it was going to be an issue. Usually you can get away with a night or two, um, but obviously there's been so much filming in New York City that, that it becomes, it's not like the mayor's office, they have to they have to be looking out for, the, they have to look out for the residents as well as they look out for the production. And it's a, you know, difficult line to, to, to kind of walk. And they've learned through you know, trial and error. There's shows that have come in and they've spent five and six nights and some of those areas still aren't filmable now because of just, you know, the, the backlash from the residents. Now, in our particular case, we had to be very careful about where we were going and how we were doing it and the mayor's office immediately was did you like... Did like knock on doors? We did, yeah. We so basically you, so you had to go up and down the block and knock and we had to get, you know, the majority of the block, which we had to come up with a creative solution. So... Normally, when we're shooting in areas to offset the impact of a film crew, we make a donation to the Block Association. Mm -hmm. And that's like a starting point. So at least people are happier to have you in their neighborhood if you're giving them you know, some money that's going to help a block contribute to the Block in any way you know, further down the line. And that's usually what we do most of the time. But this is, an, a, this is like an unusual circumstance, and especially with all the overnight shooting. So we also ended up making like, hmm, what can we do that's really going to benefit this neighborhood and get people? on board so we ended up getting you know we got uh letitia james involved we like i spoke with her and kind of advocate. and she yep we needed a public advocate we needed somebody on a bigger level that was also gonna you know just have our back if nothing else so for the community we kind of had it and then we thought you know what can we do that's going to be good for this community and we decided you know let's make a donation to one of the schools um, or to a school fund that's going to actually benefit more than just the street. So we ended up creating, you know, um, kind of a, a strong uh, gift that we were able to offer to the residents when we went door to door and said, hey, you know, I know it's going to be really difficult. We're going to be on your block shooting with like crime scene and police vehicles until all hours in the morning and overnight. And we're going to do this like, you know, eight days and what can we do? So, I mean, I really had to do the public work. I had to meet with the board. I had to meet with uh, the Block Association. I had to meet with, like, so many different people just to make the, obviously, meet with the city. Yeah. And they wanted to check our sign-off and make sure that everything was done. So, but that groundwork is what ended up ultimately helping us to be successful because people did get on board. And they, had, and they decided, look, we don't want you to come and do eight straight days. We want you to break this up and do it over, you know, a course of the month. So that actually impacted our shooting schedule and when we were able to go and film the streets, it wasn't like we could just shoot it out in one shot. Um, now, the other aspect of this is um, it's a very, I mean, I, I've never been through the New York City uh, criminal justice system, but my assumption is, and based on talking to people, it seems like it's it, they're after a very realistic portrayal of yeah. what happens. Right. Um, in these situations and what happens on a human level and what you go through and uh, it really attention to detail and so we've got we've got police stations um, we've got Rikers mm -hmm. you know the the infamous prison here and then we also um, 
you know, have courtrooms. And so I'm assuming, like, as a start, that seems to be so baked into the story yep. that that's like an early conversation that Correct. you're also having, right? Oh, so yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, was the big, that was the big thing. I mean, there's, there's two kind of things we're talking about here. One is attention to detail, and the other is, like, actually shooting the locations. But how important um, was that to Zillion? I mean, Zillion was, the, the initial research and everything and going and looking at places like Rikers and looking at police precincts and looking at... Um, you know, uh, definitely getting out to Jackson Heights and looking at the neighborhoods like that. Is was he going with you? Critical. He, yes. Oh, yes. We the, the initial creative scouts we went on were they were pretty mind blowing. Especially I'd shot at Rikers before. Rikers used to have an old um, uh, kind of closed section that they allowed filming. But even getting over there is like just a process. You can't do it anymore, right? Uh, somebody actually did film there recently, but. Um, it's very challenging to get over you there. You couldn't do something and like this. No, we okay. were not able to do something like this. And, and, and you know, we worked very closely with the correction department, and they were great, mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to try and do it. But uh, unfortunately, during the course of filming, there was a lot of stuff happening at Rikers that just we kept checking yeah. in saying, what there about this, what about yeah. this, could Fair. we try and do it? But there was just, it, for safety and everything else, it wasn't, it wasn't possible for us to get over there and do that. But from a research but standpoint, from, from a research sorry. standpoint though, yeah. it's like, it seems like it's so important to him, all mm -hmm. these details. Correct. And so like, I have to imagine this is not only just about finding the place, but also he, the authenticity yeah. of it all, I mean, right? When we went to Rikers in the, in the tombs were the, the kind of the big places that we went to really research and, and talked through and walked through. And, you know, Steve just, we'd, we'd stop and we'd talk to the, the real people, like the correction officers that are dealing with things, or the judges, or whoever it was, and what is the process? What happens when I come down here? Where do I go? And you get into, like, especially, like, even down at the tombs at 100 Center, you get into this labyrinth of, you know, confusion, even just of the physical layout of the space and how we, we turn a corner and we're like, how do we... Where are we now, and what happens here? And there's this very, very much underbelly feeling when you're down there, um, and that was really important to Zillion to like really understand and get a grasp of, of how it worked and the confusion that was. You know, you come in off the street and you're down there turning corridors and getting your picture taken here, and you're over, you know, getting processed here, and then you're divided and you go through this, you know, this physical check over here or whatever it was when we were doing that initial research, like we, we made quite a few trips to the tombs and to Rikers especially, which, you know, was just super eye-opening. I can imagine <laughs> that, I can imagine. Um, so what, you obviously can't shoot there, especially since mm -hmm. that becomes such a main set, that mm -hmm. main inside of the jail um, becomes, it becomes almost like a stage. So you go through this experience, you see what's important, what do you do? You do a build somewhere? What did, or did you find a different prison? Or what, yeah. how do you do it? We, had, we ended up kind of piecing together um, a lot of the, the sets. There was, we did shoot down at the actual tombs uh, downtown. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, one thing is, and I'll just jump back quickly to when we were talking about schedule and mm -hmm. what that means. So immediately when we started looking at these, all of these government buildings, whether it be 100 Center, um, for the courthouses or for the jail or for, uh, you know, any of the municipal kind of elements. Those are like nights and weekends only for filming. So immediately we had to shift to like a Saturday through Wednesday kind of work week just to be able to have access to the places that we were shooting. 
So that, and then, you know, it ends up, you more or less end up working a seven-day week because your shooting crew's working on the, the five days you're supposed to be, you know, you, you can't lose two days of getting work done, whether it's with contracts or whatever else. So, I mean, it was a, a pretty brutal, you know, hard schedule to, 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 to actually work. But shifting to the weekends gave us the access to be able to go down and use the actual courts. Uh, gave us the access to go down and shoot in the tombs. Gave us uh, the access to actually, you know, we shot in the, the DA's office and we were able to, to get in and, um, you know, have a, have a shoot in the, in the actual location, which was, was important to Steve. You know, he definitely wanted to show it. I mean, there were times, obviously, we had to, since we didn't, couldn't do Rikers, we ended up using the Queen's House of Detention, um, which, which is a jail that's, that's kind of just used now for processing people over that are going to court, but it's not a how, they don't house prisoners in the jail anymore. So we were able to kind of, you know, take over with our own set design, the main, this is the main space this, where Omar this, this from the wires up on this. This isn't this, the main space. That yeah. main space was built on stage. We that built that up in Yonkers. So you're talking about all of the kind of like walking in, in and out. You're Correct. able to use all of their little elements. Correct. And so then, okay, then, okay. There's so, a geography in the main in the main stage or the main you know uh, prison housing unit mm -hmm. that is important for you know Nas to be able to look up and you know see see everybody yeah. on the top bunks and the higher well, and everything stage, that's in say, there. Yeah. It's, it was really, and that was based off of, of a set, that was based off of a visit to Rikers. We went into a unit at Rikers that we, that we observed and then kind of used that as the uh, model to build the stage and obviously changed it how we needed to to make it and, work. And so you must really, I'm, re, I'm starting to think about this, it's, it's like any of the other um, below the line heads on on set you really need to know what they're shooting and what they're looking at because you're matching all these things it's like this hallway's over here in queens and then they're gonna you're and so you mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. need to oh see. yeah we had a we had a very involved kind of the production designer i mean we had like a 30 list list of 30 different places between corridors and hallways and even within queen's house of detention this hall's down in the basement this mm -hmm. hall is up here so we had you know to try and to try and give the audience that same feeling of what it's like, mm -hmm. we wanted to use very specific hallways, very specific corridors, um, and you know, it, to to get that process and then actually keep it all straight yeah. was it was it was tough. <laughs> and so then for for the main stage, was that a complete um, sound studio build, or did you build that in something else? Like the for the the, the main the main housing unit was yeah. a sound studio. So it was a, a like a, a warehouse space. It's a warehouse that's been used for other productions and that's, as well. And, and the idea being is is that so important dramatically and has so much screen time that you're going to end up to, right. and it's such a big space that you're going to need to build that. Exactly, right? exactly. Uh -huh. I mean, one of the other things that we built as well was you know the courtroom. Mm -hmm. That was used a lot of the courtroom scenes, kind of early on the non-trial courtroom stuff that was all shot practically mm -hmm. down at 100 Center at the criminal courts in Manhattan. Um, but we used that as a, you know, kind of a, a platform and a jumping-off point to then create a very similar set that we used for the trial um, during the show. And something like this, because we we're seeing more and more. It's it's eight episodes, right? So mm -hmm. we're seeing more and more miniseries. That decision to build versus use locations, 
that's often, I mean, I, I imagine part of it is a practical, like we need to be here so many days and right. this, we can't be using this location. But a lot of that is also sometimes, and then it's not an artistic decision, right? Like Correct. we like these real locations mm -hmm. or we can't do it. Mm -hmm. But it's also a financial, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a completely different world of, of going into a location versus having to build at Steiner or some mm -hmm. studio, right? Mm -hmm. Is that? That's is, true, yeah. I mean, the sets are not cheap either. Right. So there is that, you know, a lot of times going on location is actually, you know, once the stages are built, like if you're on a longer series, mm -hmm. then they end up paying for themselves because you're taking that cost over, say, 23 episodes or whatever you're it is. Efficient. So you're getting, you're getting a good use yeah. of your money. Where these sets, you know, they're, and, and it was it's still efficient use, but because it's not cheap to go in and use the locations that we used, but it's also, you know, the access, as I was saying. We were, we could only shoot on, in those particular places on the weekend. And so you've got 14, you know, days worth of or you know eight days worth of stuff in addition to that that you need so you're you're building you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do it but with something like this i mean maybe you knew that going in there would be a couple builds but are you scouting everything initially and seeing if there isn't a location option uh, obviously yeah you're, all, you're always trying to find something like you're looking for that diamond in the rough that you're going to find mm -hmm. a place that maybe is no longer being used mm -hmm. or you know you're finding something and and that's you know you get you get you do it for so long that you kind of start oh i know yeah and then you all of a sudden one of the scouts will turn up some new place that you're like where'd you, where'd you find this like this is great you know and so that does happen um you know that that it, it still happens all the time where things change and New buildings are built, other ones become more accessible. There's 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 lots of things. You do have to, to stay on it. Uh, one, one thing, I, I think there's probably no position in on the, on the film crew that I romanticize more uh, than being in the locations department because <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I love the city. I love wandering around and I'm like, you're always seeing cool things. And I think a lot of people think that like, oh, location sounds like it's so cool. And I think that probably is also working with the creative people and finding those right locations. I imagine that is, mm -hmm. that is a fun, a fun part of the it job. is. That is the best part of the job. But, <laughs> and I, I, I know this from talking to location managers and I've learned a little bit about this recently. That is like, there's like a huge thing of like, okay, you bring Steve Zalian to a set, he loves it, production designer loves it, you've got it all figured out. What, from that point on, the location manager's job has just begun, right? Because there's That's like right. a huge logistical aspect. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you have to do? I mean, it's, it's, we're pretty much, our department is responsible for everything associated with being on location as well. And not only like with just the, physical space it's also like the legality of, of being there as well we are the, the ones we deal with the contracts we deal with the lawyers we deal with the police we deal with the public we deal with every, the parking the city the permits everything that has to do with us being there you know where we're putting the trucks where we're putting breakfast where people are going to the bathroom all of that so stuff. So the staging area, you need to figure out where staging, the staging equipment. equipment everything, wherever. Where the Teamsters are going to park. Exactly, where the Teamsters are parking the trucks, where we can park, where we can't park. Um, you know, uh, getting, as I said, getting the lawyers involved. I mean, we have navigating the police and, and making sure the fire department, whatever we need to do to to, to get the end product there, we, we deal with. And, as you said, you know, the, the part of my job that I love the most is the kind of creative part and looking and finding and having to stay on top of New York City. Um, the logistical aspect of my job is, is one that I'm thankful that I have a good, strong staff that is very, very sharp and on it that helps, you know, 
helps me get through that part of it. Well, because one of the things that I always get paranoid about is, is like, you know, if things go wrong with the locations, like basically you, you're in a position where once you found something, I imagine everybody, all the producers and everybody else doesn't want to hear from you. They want everything to be smooth, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, oh, they all they want to hear is yes. They want to hear is, everything's but like, fine. But you are often dealing with like crazy New Yorkers. I mean, I'm sure you, everybody that you've done business with is, 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 is fantastic of nothing but positive. But the thing is that you're at the whim of someone that owns this house, or you're right. at the whim right. of someone that owns this business, right? Yeah. And, and like, I just imagine, like, there's, you get that call the night before. Yeah, Shane, I don't think this is going to work out. Or, yeah, there's, I'd like another 20K or something like that. There's right? a really strong psychological component to the job. And you get, you know, with experience, you get used to reading people, you get used to, like, and you try and, you know, A, you never undersell what you're doing. You have to be upfront from the very beginning because, God forbid, you get in a situation where somebody starts to back out or whatever. And, I mean, and of course, this has had this happens, and it's, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to say it happens all the time because <laughs> I wouldn't be still working if it did, but it's something that you have to consider. And so before I even present things to a director or, you know, a production designer, you want to make sure that you've are, you're going into a situation that's going to be good. So I don't want to present, I don't want to show you a photo of something that you can't have. So you've so, done, you've you've gotten, a, you might not have done a contract, but you've gotten a sense. Yes, I've had a conversation of what with the them. owner is, is. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing, and that's why, you know, even with the world of television being as busy as it is in New York City. Uh, you know, and other managers might kill me for saying this, but it's like you almost want somebody else to have gone through the process before you're Broke taking somebody there to break yeah. them in. Because it's you, you, there's a lot of hand-holding involved if nobody's done it before, mm -hmm. and people can get very nervous, and if people, you know... if it depends on how the people's outlook on things are. Like I'll have a conversation initially and be like, you know, if you like people, if you're okay with people coming in your home and ultimately we're going to make sure that everything is, is right when we leave, there's going to be a couple of scrapes. There's going to be, something's going to break, something's going to happen, but we will make it right. And if you're okay with that, then that's good. But if you're like a very protective person and you don't want people in your space and you don't want, and you're just kind of doing it for the dollar sign, mm -hmm. like immediately I kind of get the sense that, you know, even though this may be the right location, uh, geographically, physically, everything, if I'm going to get into business with somebody, I need to make sure that it's somebody that I'm going to like be able to have reasonable conversations with and then also is going to be like, you know what, we can solve this no matter what it is. Well, you mentioned, you know, so in New York City, um, it was not, well, it's actually the state has a 30% tax rebate for all the loan line costs, uh, which is significant and which has driven a ton of production here. But in particular, it's been scripted television in, in the sense that I think there was like 52 scripted mm -hmm. shows mm -hmm. in the city last year, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that, and that number keeps going up. Right. Um, and I, I, I'm wondering... Is that because so much of what I know that you have to deal with, and when I hear about shooting in New York, it's about parking. I know that sounds mm -hmm. absurd, but it seems no, like it's, it's not it's, absurd it's, at all. That's it, the number one thing about dealing with in New York. And so that is that like becoming a bigger and bigger issue of 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 pushback about how much parking you can get, and about like and about managing a location that way. Is there is is it becoming is it becoming difficult to handle locations? It it, it is. There's, I mean the. As you said, you know, whatever the number is now, 54, it's crazy. The amount of production that's happening now compared to, you know, 10 years ago is just 
It's, 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 you can't compare it. Mm -hmm. And the impact... Because there are also, you also have things like Good Wife, which are supposed to be Chicago right. shooting here. Or you right, don't, you right. don't have oh, New York-based yeah. shows. It's like they're coming here right. and recreating right. because they can get the 30% back. Right, the show I'm on currently, a lot of the episodes are supposed to take place in other places, so we're cheating New York for all these places, which actually is fun, but one of the things that's great is it drives us out of the city. So... Mm -hmm. When you're in the city, you have like the mayor's office, and I don't know how they're able to kind of do what they do because they do such a you know their good job so of balance between dealing with complaints from residents and everything else. I mean, there's always room for improvement, but it's hard because they're in a they're, tough position. They're yeah. in a very tough position, but you get into a situation where so many people want to go to the right street in the village for the brownstone. Mm -hmm. You need to go to this building because it says New York, or you need to get you know this iconic shot. So. If every production is trying to get that, the people that live there are, are sick of it, you know, because when we come in, we come in big, you know, we come in with 10 semis, we come in with, you know, and it's almost too much. I wish that we could figure out a way to kind of minimize our impact in neighborhoods. I think it would actually help filming in New York so much if we could figure out a way to, because we do, we have tractor trailers, we have so much equipment and so much stuff that comes out um, that these residents and neighborhoods are they, we do, we, we, we take them over and we try and be as nice and polite as we can about it, but it's also like, if you lost your parking space every day for, you know, uh, in a month you lose it, you know, two weeks, you're gonna be angry that, you know, the film crews are there. You don't care what it, who's there or what they're making. And that's how, I think it's the hot zone, right? Is yeah, there's a, it's called the on hiatus uh, list and basically, neighborhoods that are particularly vulnerable, maybe ones that are around studios like Steiner, like there's a reason, you know, Fort Greene is a very difficult area to go. It's got a big spot because A, it's all, you know, commercial parking is easier to take, but alternate sides in a residence, uh, residential neighborhood is, is tough. And a lot of times you want to, when you're building your days on the schedule, you want to be close to the stage. You want to, if you have a half a day and it's in a house or it's here, you want to be able to use your local places. We also pay people too, so you want to use that restaurant. You want to keep it so that there is a benefit, but that benefit may help a business more than it's helping the residents that's getting you know the donation to their block association or something like that. that at a certain point, that just doesn't cut it. So essentially, so, so the idea being is is that areas kind of max out with shooting, and so there's a there's a moratorium on shooting right. in certain neighborhoods, right? To give them a break, to give and them then, a break, and, and like then let the grass out. grow. Like exactly, it really is, it, and, and that's that's you know, and as hard as it is because it takes away their time, you're like, God, if I could just go to that block, I know I've got the bar there, I've got the house there, I've got this and that, and it's like, oh, it's in a hot spot. Yeah. And the other thing that productions, with the amount of productions that makes it difficult is you need to get on what's called, you know, the advanced grid. So you may want to shoot in an area that's, you know, not in, on a hiatus, but there are so many other productions that are also trying to shoot there that you have to submit to the mayor's office a grid in advance so that here are the days that we're gonna be there. So it's first come, first serve. So you want your schedule in order, you want that submitted because you can submit that after you think you've got the perfect schedule and you get it back. Well, this isn't available on, you know, on two dates and all of a sudden your whole timeline you know, that's been created by your first AD, the calendar, the schedule, everything is in flux and you're back in the scout van. So let's, that's a lot of skills that you developed. How do you get started in the, I, mean, I assume this is something that you learned from working your way up, working underneath a location manager. Mm -hmm. How did you get started in locations? 
I mean, like you, kind of like that interest. I, I started in the production office, like, like just as an office PA, and that's kind of an entry-level position. And the reason that's a great position to start in is because you get exposure to all of the other departments. So you kind of, you know, you have a res your responsibility is to walk around and make sure everybody's okay and distribute stuff, but you get a chance to talk to people. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of a, I like people and I like to go out and I like to, Go to places. I like to travel. So you, you gravitated towards the locations people instead of the people that were. So I gravitated toward the locations people that looked like they were kind of having fun, and also it's a very like, you know, whereas you know a lot of people are like chained to set to where you get you know stuck. Locations is a place that you were able to like your day could be spent you know scouting. I thought was really interesting because I could you could drive around and you could find these places and scouting is nice because you don't end up having to deal with all of the headaches necessarily that I deal with. Of course, I want my scouts to make sure that they've already, you know, checked for all of the headaches that, so that I could you, potentially deal with. And that takes, a, and a good trained scout is, you know, super important to that, my job. Is that is that kind of like the entry-level job when you first move over to locations is, is doing scouting? No, the first the entry-level job is called a uh, unit PA, and the yeah. unit PA is the first oh, person. Are those, those people that have to shut down, the, like stand at the end of the block? No, they don't do lockups as much. Usually those are the set PAs that are oh, doing okay. all the lockups. But a unit PA is the one that's dealing with all the garbage because we have to deal with well, all of better. the garbage. <laughs> uh, if there's a toilet that's clogged and you need to make sure that the crew can use a toilet, they're the ones you send in to unclog the toilet. They're the first person on set because they've got all of the unit supplies, the cleaning supplies, everything else. And they're the last person to leave because at the end of the night, they're gathering up the last bit of the garbage. So they're typically working very long days. 16, 17-hour days are fairly common. Um, and it's an entry-level position. You're not getting a lot of you know, pay for it. But I guess so. it's also probably a very good... I mean, it sounds like a hideous job, but I mean, uh, it's probably one of those things where you instantly kind of get what the location... Like, what the, that, that baseline, yes. like, that you're responsible for bathrooms and trash. Exactly. And, like, what is a good location, what's a bad location from a production standpoint, right? Right, exactly. And so that's kind of like working your way that way is kind of how you kind of, over time, you learn... Exactly. You, you learn exactly. Stuff. Exactly. And I was lucky enough. I got a, another location manager gave me a very kind of early break that um, I got to manage fairly, you know, quickly on a lower budget level. But uh, uh, but what's that like? Because I mean, in a lot of in a lot of film positions, like people's big break is working on a lower budget thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what does that mean for locations on a low it's, budget? It's indeed? it's tough because now. <laughs> It's like you, you, your first question is, so what's the budget, you know, before you even go into it? Because money solves a lot of problems, especially mm -hmm. with locations. But personality goes a long way. So if you have the time with the lower budget, and like some of the things that I worked on that, you know, you had 300000 bucks or something, and they need a location manager, and you just 300000 the is the, is the, the budget. total cost of, like, a, a movie. Like, we did a movie, Bomb the System, and I think the budget was three hundred grand. But uh, that was, you know, everything you're doing, you're trying to get for cheap or for you have to find the right person, you have to find the right house, you have to go outside of the city, you have to find people that aren't a savvy or somebody that's going to take pity on you. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it really is a very difficult world to now, and especially because there's so much filming in New York now, it's just become exponentially harder. Holding areas for churches, you used to, you know, 500 bucks used to get you the time. You're in the church for 14 hours. By the time you get your background actors in there and then sign them out at the end of the day, you know, you've got a whole long, and churches used to be able to do that for 500 bucks. Now, I'm, I'm not shocked when I'm paying $3,500 for, like, a church um, just because everybody's savvy to it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, lower budget usually means that, you know, you don't have 
you know, all of the crew, all of the bells and whistles, all of the stuff that does help to sell it, but it's, it's, it's still very difficult to do it. Shane Hayden, thank you. You've been very generous with your time. Um, really, I learned a lot. I learned <laughs> a lot. Thank you. Um, before, before we sign off, um, I do want to note, and I haven't done this in the first four podcasts, the music used in this podcast is courtesy of the co composer uh, Nathan Halpern. It's from his documentary score uh, called The Artist is Present. This is IndieWire's Homemaker Toolkit podcast.